This is Yukon North of Ordinary, the podcast. We share a more in-depth take on the most popular stories from our print magazine, showcasing the territory's extraordinary people, culture, and outdoors. I'm your host, Karen McCall. Peter Mather has been taking photos across the North for 25 years, winning many national and international awards in the process. His photos regularly appear in Yukon North of Ordinary magazine, among other places. But a story Peter wrote for our winter issue didn't feature his photos. Peter wanted to share the work of three Indigenous photographers he's met during his travels across the North. They're telling important stories about their culture and communities through their images. Arlen Charlie is one of those photographers. He's Tetlik Gwich'in from Fort McPherson, Northwest Territories. Fort McPherson is 550 kilometers up the Dempster Highway. And the Dempster Highway, if you don't know, is a gravel road that originates in the Yukon and ends at Inuvik in the Northwest Territories. Arlen takes photos out of personal interest, but also in his role as the Culture and Heritage Coordinator with the Gwich'in Tribal Council, or GTC. I wanted to speak to Arlen about how he uses photography to document his culture. I was hoping Peter Mather could join us for this conversation, but unfortunately, he was in the field photographing bears the day we recorded this. At one point in my conversation with Arlen, I asked him to describe a couple of the photos that are printed in the magazine. One is of a shorebird, and the other is of a woman weaving a whip used for dog sledding. You don't need to see these photos to follow along, but you'll want to check out Arlen's photography at some point anyway. So head to Instagram and look up Arlen underscore Charlie. That's Arlen, A-R-L-Y-N underscore Charlie. Now on to our conversation. I asked Arlen to tell me about the Midway Music Festival just outside Fort McPherson. That's where he and Peter first met. It's a festival featuring old-time fiddlers and local bands. Um, Midway Lake usually happens that first long weekend in August. It's I think it's about like more, just over 500 people go there for that one weekend. And I think the best way to explain it is you, you just get to experience like true Gwich'in culture and hospitality. There's people dancing till like three in the morning and there's um, kids playing and there's just like food, like beyond like belief. Where do people travel from to go to this festival? Um, prior to the pandemic, they sort of just came from all over them. Gwich'in from Alaska made their way to, to uh, McPherson and then they traveled to Midway as well. I want to talk, I guess, more about your photography, but first, maybe just for people who aren't as familiar with sort of the, the lay of their land and the geography. Um, so you grew up at, in Fort McPherson. Maybe can you just tell us a little bit about sort of the community and, and where it is and that sort of thing? Yeah, um, we exist like just above the Arctic Circle, um, like almost right on the edges of the boreal forest and the tree lane. Um, our land is not the tundra. We still have hills and trees that still grow around here. And McPherson is right along the Peel River. And it's about 1,000 people. And it's not the smallest community, but it's like it's small compared to um, like White Horse or Yellowknife. So. And if you were to like to drive from Whitehorse, it's it's like is it like a two full day drive? Have you ever done that drive? Um, yeah, um, most of the times, um, people from here they travel down to Whitehorse, and it's usually like twelve hours of driving. Oh, okay. I guess you're probably experts at driving the Dempster. 
<laughs> and Fort McPherson is predominantly uh, is it Tetlet Gwich'in community? Yeah, um, we're just one of like the the I think three main Gwich'in communities, and um, people here are mainly Tetlet Gwich'in. And the language also is is Gwich'in for uh, those who speak it. How did, when you and Peter first met, how did you discover sort of your mutual love of photography? Mm, no, I think it's really interesting, you know, for a long time with photography, I just felt really like lost and I didn't know where to bring it. Um, but like looking at other people's work, I just saw this, this amazing stories that they were telling. And, you know, Peter just tells these really like amazing, amazing stories that are just like like really big compared to what I normally would do and you know with meeting him it's sort of just these two different approaches to photography sort of just like came and met together and then you know we just worked off each other to work on the project well let's talk about your photography style in a moment but can you tell me first uh like when you developed an interest in photography um I think the first time I ever held a a camera was a Nikon DSLR camera. It was during a workshop in 2012. And then in 2015, I purchased my first um, Nikon. And it's just from taking courses in school, I sort of, um, gra after graduating, um, I got hired with the GSCI, but what is now known as the Col Department of Culture and Heritage. They, um, they sort of showed me how to you know, capture stories and how to document glitching culture. And that's sort of just where it came from. And um, my interest mainly is in language. You know, I learn Gwich'in because it's not something spoken fluently here. So I sort of merge photography and language together. And from there, it sort of just built upon that over the years. So it's it's uh, kind of nice your uh, your interest in photography and then sort of what what you were doing for work uh aligned well yeah <laughs> so how do you incorporate uh the language into your photography um i think the whole basis of arlen charlie photography is really just capturing glitching culture and you know um what makes us as a people as an, as an indigenous people that survived amongst our northern counterparts for like thousands of years and you know i get I'm very privileged that I grew up very closely connected with my culture. So I get to experience people like going out and fishing and hunting. So with photography, I want to capture all that. And then with language, I try to come up with these titles to help me remember how to speak the language and how to come up with these different subjects. So it really just works my mind and really helps me to approach language um, and critique it sort of just to really help me to understand it. Mm, and I noticed on your Instagram feed, sometimes uh, when you take photos, uh, say of a bird, you'll also use the Gwich'in name for it. Yeah. And that's a way, I guess, of yeah sharing that and sort of um, promoting it as well. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's interesting because there's like, like hundreds of different words, each bird has its own different name. And it's just, it's not as easy as remembering it as in English, because it's sort of just like, um, going to that picture of that bird, like generally speaking, G is um, the word for 
bird, but this one is sort of like Tehe Tsao, which is the, the sniper that like walks along the edges of the river in the summer. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> right. And that's the picture. I guess the English word are, are we, is a sniper for the, the shorebird that you have the photo of there. Yeah. So how would you describe your uh, photography style? I think I sort of just want to like, you know, evoke this sense of calmness for my viewers. Um, I cater to such a small like amount of people that are like interested in language. And, you know, it could be overwhelming at times because it's just, it's very confusing, like I find even myself. Um, so just using that sense of calmness and helping people to just really take it slowly and to really grasp what they're trying to learn. And I sort of think that just really goes to show like in the world that's like changing rapidly, you know, sometimes you just need to step back and just be like, realize, like, take it as a moment rather than to rush into things. Mm. Yeah. Peter mentioned in his story that sort of use muted colors and um, in, in sort of a way that's sort of more like capturing quiet moments in landscape. So I can, I can see that sort of like calming effect that you're, that you're talking about. <laughs> Well, let's just uh, let's talk about uh, a few of the photos that you have uh, published in in Yukon North of Ordinary. Um, one of them is we talked about uh, the shorebird, and that one it looks it was that taken at uh, sort of dawn or dusk or sort of winter time. Um, I think that was in the springtime. It must have been like three o'clock in the morning. Um, what? Was, oh my gosh! Yeah, I was like really excited because I just purchased this two hundred millimeter lens, and you know, it just felt like very unrestricted. So I was just out there all night. Wow, is that uh, one of the better times to to? Were you were you shooting for birds in particular? Is that why you were out so late? Um, I think so. I, I can't even remember back then, but it's just like you know, in this in the springtime animals just come out in the nighttime that's when they're more prominent and they sort of just make all these noises so they're really hard to miss right and being uh above the arctic circle in springtime already like you there wouldn't be much darkness i suppose yeah um the sun is starting to really come back then so it stays up high and like above the horizon for well into the night uh what about the um it's a the dog whip a photo of somebody i guess weaving weaving that can you tell me about that um the dog whip it's fly vitri so i wanted to really capture that because it's sort of just this lost art that people sort of like forgotten in them from the past that there's not really much people that make it and one of the photos that we i think that people saw is um Vitri Atsi. So my mother is making a dog quip. So I just really wanted to capture that moment. Mm, yeah, it's super lovely. You you see a little bit of her face, but you see more of her hands and then like the whip. And I guess it must be, is it hanging from something? So she's able to kind of weave. Is that the handle portion? Yeah. Um, so I didn't want like the 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 focus to be on the face. I wanted to be on the hands because um, it's weaving the dog whip and the dog whip sort of hangs from like a nail in the ceiling and they braid it until they come to the end and then they take that whole whip and they attach it to this um, wooden handle so that's the handle and so that sort of just come mix the whole dog whip mm. and is that is that like a caribou or a moose leather that she's weaving with I think it's caribou um, and then you see in the description as well that actually dog whips aren't actually used for whipping the dogs. It's used for cracking, cracking the side of the sled for dog mushing. 
Yeah, I so I wanted to put a little disclaimer in because dog whip, you know, you think of like whipping dogs, but <laughs> yeah. um, in the past, like, you know, they used dog whips when they were driving dogs up in the mountains. And, you know, that was the primary source of transportation. And in order to help them listen, they sort of cracked the whip on the snow on the side of the sled just to like maintain that focus from the dogs. Uh, and some of your other photos, you show um, people, uh, I guess, harvesting and butchering. I think I see, is there a beaver? Um, some photos of that. And uh, also doing some, harvesting some spruce gum. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that are real, that's really difficult to me is, you know, I'm a stills photographer. That's where I am really most comfortable. And, you know, but I'm even more comfortable taking landscape photos. And, you know, I could sit someplace for like half an hour and take like all these pictures of this one subject. But then, you know, one of the things that I've been really trying to do especially more this year was take pictures of people because mm. um, that sort of like really scary just throws me out of my comfort zone so you know with these people that's taken this these are like practicing like these butcherings of these different animals that they catch I sort of just really threw me out of there because everything is happening really fast and mm-hmm. you know you don't have the the luxury of them standing still for like half an hour you have to mm-hmm. really think on the top of your head and are you are you kind of asking people like, oh, can you do that again? Or or are you just sort of trying to stay out of their way and just take the photos as the action's happening? Um, I think I'm just trying to stay out of the way and take like photos as it's happening because I really just want it to be genuine, right? Because mm-hmm. everything moves so quickly, especially up here. You know, when people go hunting, it's like minus 26 out and it's, you know, you have the winds coming in, so you have to really move. So I really want to keep that like genuineness of it. Time for a short break. We'll be right back. Do you have a Yukon North of Ordinary hoodie yet? What about a t-shirt, a toque? mug. Check out the full product line at the retail store in Whitehorse, located on the corner of 2nd Avenue and Steel Street across from City Hall. Limited products can also be ordered from northofordinary.com. And while you're there, don't forget to pick up a magazine subscription. And now, back to the episode. Uh, you said, I think you're doing some video work as well for the Gwich'in Tribal Council now? Yeah. Where does that work go? What is what is being done with it? Um. So, yeah, it's like I was saying I'm just like I'm a stills photographer that's where I feel most comfortable and right out of high school I got hired from the um Gwich'in Social and Cultural Institute what it was like formerly known as but now it's the Department of Cultural Heritage it's a department for our the Gwich'in Tribal Council and they sort of like brought me in and they said like we like your photography but we want you to do video work we want you to go out and conduct these interviews for us and help us to document Gwich'in culture and you know it sort of just goes all these different places sometimes I help researchers um, gather information and I send them the videos for you know to help them present um, Gwich'in culture and their findings and sometimes we conduct interviews that are created into um, educational videos. We had uh, the traditional practices project a couple of years back and that got put on um, social media for people to really understand like, you know, this time is to hunt caribou, but then you're supposed to leave it for this certain amount of months. And then, you know, then you're allowed to hunt it again. So it just like, they're all going different places. 
Mm, wow, that sounds like such interesting work. And and also like it must be kind of an honor to be able to be doing that kind of work so closely tied to yeah, your own culture. Yeah, and I think I'm really privileged to be able to do that. Like, you know, I think it's sort of just like I don't believe in luck, but in that sense, I just lucked out because mm-hmm. it's just such a huge interest of mine, especially since like Gwich'in culture hasn't been documented like up until like the last hundred years because we often followed oral traditions you know my teacher still tells me stories about like pre-contact so I really get excited when I get those opportunities if there's I guess one thing you want people to know about Gwich'in culture I mean I'm, there's so much but is there anything that you'd want to share well, like I think there's two um you know I go to school down south and sometimes I would have to go down south and I spend like a certain amount of months down there and you know what really just like took me by surprise is that there's people that don't recognize that there's entire cultures that exist up here right and that's sort of what I want my photography to do that's the end goal is for people to realize that there are people that survive like minus 40 weather that used to live off the land entirely like spend an entire year off the land and that's just like one of the things that I really hope my photography does and you know one of the things that I really like is just those opportunities to travel out on the land and get to experience it because you know chances are that we're never going to see that again we're never going to be able to you know live entirely off the land but to get those small glimpses and be able to capture it through photography I think that just really makes it all the worth it mm-hmm. yeah your photography really uh, kind of brings you onto the land and and yeah it shows it shows something that is very intimate like it's not something that someone could just come from outside and just take a bunch of photos like there's a very sort of I guess can tell that it, it's close to your heart I guess yeah I think even me like sometimes I sort of feel that way like I'm getting very t- too close to like people when taking pictures like this summer I was taking pictures of people and somebody just asked me like oh why are you taking pictures of us and like I literally didn't know what to say I just walked away it's like wow <laughs> <laughs> what's the second thing you wanted to share about Gwich'in culture yeah um you know like with climate change like like there's a lot of things happening like you know we're not privy to these this massive pollution I mean there's still pollution here but it's very like small in comparison you know and the land is changing around us so that's just like that's interesting to me because like for people that who believe they're spiritually connected to the land what does that mean when the land is really changing around them you know it might not be like specifically their fault you know as we look at the global warming at this massive scale of the world you know like there's changes happening so where how do we look at that and you know it's kind of scary to think about the future because like I don't I can't even like fathom what would happen then yeah it is scary and I guess through your photography too like you might be a bit more attuned to, to seeing some of the changes happening on the land. Yeah, um, I think that's one of the things too, is just to really help to document and preserve cultural identity, just to ensure that we have it for future reference. Have you noticed, I guess, um, in like the news media or or beyond, sort of an increased interest in the North and the culture of the North? Um, yeah, I think like, 
in the last five years, I really see like a lot of people taking it upon themselves to, you know, to learn who they are and from from where they come from and you know these pe- these are people that are you know really trying to learn like traditional language and continuing cultural practices and it's just like really exciting to see and then there's like people that who are looking to the fine arts as a career you know even in my time there was people that found it really hard to grasp the idea that you know the area of fine arts is something that one couldn't really make a living off of and it didn't really take it seriously and today like there's people that are like oh they're drawing and sewing and you know experience like exploring photography and you know that's really exciting to see i find and uh, you mentioned uh earlier when we weren't recording that uh when you you wanted to be was it a music composer and your your career counselor school counselor said like no you can't do that yeah that was like such a bummer because like I recently discovered music at the time and was learning how to read music and you know I was playing all these instruments and I was like um I think it was the Lord of the Rings that that soundtrack that really just captured me and there's this video game it's Halo and like it's music that you know that you would never really see in in video games this grand like orchestral music and I was like wow like you know like people are making a career out of that so I sort of wanted to explore potentially explore that and you know I was looking at it I was researching different programs and then you know in comes my career counselor and she's like yeah you can't like make a living off that there's no money in it you know like and that's just like that's a bummer oh my gosh Mm -hmm. but you know like if people like care to take advice from me or like what I believe in you know as long as there's passion behind one's work like nothing really matters like you know Mm -hmm. that passion makes the artwork from an artisan all the worth it I find and your photos I mean for people outside your community it's a window into your culture but for people in your culture and you you mentioned like youth earlier like do you think that also, or do you hear from people that it, it's sort of, it's, it's good role modeling or that it's kind of inspiring for them as well? Um, I, yeah, I think that's like, you know, the basis of my photography is just to be that potential role model for people, though I would never really, you know, bestow upon that title upon myself, but like, that's what I want to do. I want to inspire people to learn where they're from, where their people have survived and then, you know, but more specifically learn the language and to really grasp one's language because, you know, I can only speak for Gwich'in. It's very challenging. There's so many different words that one has to learn for one specific subject. So I really hope that I can inspire people to learn um, the aspects that make up their people. And how are you? Um, how are you learning Gwich'in? Um, I, it started like you know in a classroom, and you know I was very privileged to be taught by my grandmother and. After that, I had to return to school for a year, but coming back, I sort of just really tried to speak it more with her, um, just simple words here and there. And then she's, you know, she's the one that really helps me with, with these titles. You know, I take the picture and I look at it and I study it and then I come up with an English word that I want to tell or an English sentence that I will want to present as the title but then I go into the resources and then I come up with the, the Gwich'in um, title 
and then I pass it off to her to really make sure it's correct. So in a sense that I'm still learning, I'm learning the grammar of how to construct these sentences. Is there a big movement in the in the community to for the young people to learn more Gwich'in? Um, I hope so. Like, I really do hope so, because Gwich'in is one of those endangered languages. But I do see people trying to speak it more, more, more people utilizing the programs out there. I hear uh, you and Peter are working on uh, some more photography projects. Are you able to tell me anything about those? Yeah, we um, we were shooting this summer different various um, different footages from way up the river to McPherson. But as far as that, I don't think I can really tell <laughs> anymore. Okay, so there's something in the works, but you're not uh, able to tell us about it quite yet. Yes. Is there anything else that you want to mention? Yeah, I just really hope people really um, look at fine arts as a potential career. You know, I really just get excited for people who explore the arts. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to be on the podcast is to talk about art because, you know, I thoroughly believe that, you know, like where science fails to explain, art takes over in the grand composition of life and how we perceive it. So, you know, art is meaningful and the passion behind one's art is really just makes everything worth it, I think. So you didn't, at least yet, you haven't been able to have your musical composer career, but do you feel like the photography is is satisfying that creative uh, nature of yours? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, as a multidisciplinary artist, I try not to like subjugate myself to just one area. Mm-hmm. Like I still explore music. It might not be like a, a career in the future, but it's still there. And, you know, I'm really excited to like see where I'll go next. Like I've been thinking about watercolor, like I've been studying creative writing for the last year. So I really want to try something new as we go into the new year. Okay, so if people want to know more, uh, we know Peter Mather has a website, I think it's petermather.com. So we'll probably see an update there. But what about uh, for yourself? Where can people uh, follow along with your photography? Yeah, as of right now, my photography website is still under construction. So um, I mainly just post my pictures on Instagram. And uh, I think the username is Arlen underscore Charlie. Um, one of the things Peter wrote in his story was about how you have this way about you that makes other people feel comfortable in your presence. And I asked him to describe that a little bit, but I think, I think I get it just that you, you're very like, I mean, I, I've only heard your voice, but it is, it's very calming. And I think people listening to this too will feel at ease. So <laughs> anyways, thank you so much for this chat. It's been super lovely talking to you. Yeah. Thank you. It's been like really excited. I was really excited to come on here. That's it for this episode of Yukon North of Ordinary, the podcast. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to our print magazine by going to northofordinary.com. While you're there, check out Yukon North of Ordinary merchandise. For a full product line, visit the Bricks and Mortar store in Whitehorse, located on the corner of 2nd Avenue and Steel Street across from City Hall. There's a great selection of hats, stickers, clothing. I love my hoodie. Do you have something you'd like to say about this episode? We'd love to hear from you. Find us on Facebook, North of Ordinary Media. You can also email me, editor at northofordinary.com. And just a reminder, I'm Karen McCall. Thanks to the whole team at North of Ordinary Media. Special thanks to art director Manu Kegenhoff. 
Our music is by Headcandy and tribeofnoise.com. Thanks for listening. We'll have another episode coming out next week. I hope you listen in. Bye.